You're listening to the Gurus, Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement Podcast, co-hosted by Andy and Brian. And the quote of the day is, I have lived with several Zen masters, all of them cats. Eckhart Tolle. Brian, what do you think of the quote of the day, buddy? You know, I love it. So he's <laughs> he's basically saying cats are Zen masters. How cool is that? So you think about cat. I mean, I'm a dog person. I uh, Up until recently, I had four dogs. Decided to give one dog to my mother-in-law and then another dog to a, a family that had just moved into a bigger place and they had the space for it. And Man, four dogs is, is a lot, and I was not very happy. My wife would have kept them. I did not want to. So, again, I'm not a cat person. But uh, I think about cats compared to dogs. I mean, cats are so so much more, depending on the age of the dog. Cats are a lot more chill in so many ways. I think that's a understatement. So this is – I've so I grew up – when I was uh, living with my dad here in Phoenix, he had an outdoor cat. He was never an indoor cat. He was a birder. He would go and catch a bird. I've seen him kill birds. I mean, he was just one of those. He was just an outdoor cat. Awesome cat. We actually found him on the Navajo reservation. Like we were about ready to leave a place called Red Mesa up in Arizona. And it's in the Navajo nation. My parents were teaching at the time. About one day he just decided, hey, I'm here. You're going to take me with you. Just hung out with us. We fed him a couple times and then he was our cat for 20 years. Wow. Who knows? I mean, we had to deworm him, do some stuff to get him fixed when he got back down to the valley. But yeah, he was our cat for 20 years until he, you know, finally passed on. But it's a long life. Long life. And we don't know what kind of life he had prior to. I mean, he must have been, he still must have been a smaller kitten or something. Sure, you know, he was sure. still, a, I thought still was an adult cat, but must not been that old because he was still around for another 20 years. But he was an indoor cat or outdoor cat. Now I have just recently gotten an indoor cat and the indoor cat, just no words to describe cats in general and all the stuff that's so different than dogs. It is very true that cats, I think they are Zen masters because they'll just like, okay, I am choosing at this moment to scratch up your carpet. <laughs> and you're like, hey, uh, and now I'm going to move on. And now I'm going to allow you to pet me for approximately two minutes before I kind of bite you a couple times. And then I'm going to move on into another area and sleep. <laughs> the cat is in charge of its destiny and yes. and is um at peace with that doesn't get upset necessarily for a long period of time right if there's something that's not going their way maybe they let you know but they're chill on. they're chill they're chill yeah they just kind of do their cat thing i i've 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 Learned quite a bit about cats in the last uh, six months. I think we've only had it for six months, but 
I wish that more of us were like that. I think that is very true statement. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's where he was going with it, that that's what the Zen masterness was, that they are their own people. Uh, it's, They're comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, and they are in the like present that. moment, right? And this entire book, I mean, this is, so listeners, this, um, it, this marks the end of reading The Power of Now. This was a shorter month, you know, February was a shorter month. And also we, um, we had some things come up where we just weren't able to uh, get in uh, another podcast for this book. So we apologize about that. But, um, you know, this book has been a good read. We are, we are finished with it. And in my opinion, it is a really good book um, that I think probably only needed about one chapter to get across <laughs> what it needed to say. Is that, that's just my opinion. <laughs> so that's, and I think we've talked about this before, philosophy, and this has rich with philosophy, philosophy majors or philosophy teachers want to explain everything 20 times through so they want to build the house they want to break the house down again they want to come at it from the window they want to come at it from the basement then blow it back up again build it again and they just it's just that's the way philosophy i i've read so much so many philosophers especially like some of the newer ones kant hume even Nietzsche has it, you know, you go past, I, I've read a couple Socrates books and it's that Socratic method where they're very much going to debate almost with you. And that's almost what these, these questions were almost debates, you know, he very was like, so. and that was so. what his, I think what his stance was, I, I, people are, I'm going to explain this concept and I want everyday questions to be thrown at me so that I can defend what I'm saying. And he did it in multiple ways. So if you're like, I don't understand what he's talking about, he threw it at a different way with a different question that you may have. So he was trying to come up with, hey, how does this make sense from a common standpoint? common you know logic way of looking at it and then he's he tried to explain it and i think that's the reason why it was so well received other than oprah touted about it but you know i think that i think that's exactly why is because he came about it from the common man's way of thinking but also with that philosophical debate style where he's like yeah coming at it from here's my belief and here's what i'm going to do to defend it and it all was so peaceful you know i will give you relate that. With that it was it was peaceful and i don't mean to say that uh well i guess one page would, or one chapter maybe would be an oversimplification however like i did find um myself I, as i was reading even up to the end of the book right like writing down quotes of things that i thought like ooh, that's good and then I'd look at the quote and I'd say like, that's, that's basically saying the same thing that it said on page four, 14, you know, and I'm at right. the end of the book. It, it's really, um, I think important though, if you think about it in this sense, that repetition, when you're trying to learn something new or trying to increase a skill or, a, um, you know, a habit, whatever it is, like repetition is key. 
And so in that regard, I think that it was necessary to, to go about it at different angles and from different perspectives like you were talking about. So that, that's, that's true. Um, but right. overall, I mean, his, his message is, my understanding is, you know, the message is you are already enlightened. You just don't know it because there's too much noise going on because you're focused too much on the past or the present or past or the future and not enough on the present. Enlightenment yeah. is being in the present moment and you are enlightened the moment you are um, able to realize you're not present. Yeah, I agree. So my take on him is this, um, outside of just the philosophical debating style, he brought up some very big key concepts from Buddhism that are extremely difficult to understand. One of them is mindfulness. That is a concept that is in Hinduism, is in the Tao, is in Zen Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, you know, Theravada. So those traditions talk very much about being mindful and mindful being just aware of the now. Um, so that definitely is Zen Buddhism has a more of that flavor than my tradition, but at the same time, it's still in there. Breathing meditation, Vipassana uh, meditation is always very key. Um, coming to peace in the moment because that's how you take your, you're taking when you can focus. And that's what his big point was. It's not so much that the breathing makes you do something. It's the fact that you're just focused on something, some specific object that creates peace in your mind. And you're able to, the easiest thing to focus on for any person is that the fact that they're breathing. So the fact that you are mindful, but you can be mindfully doing anything, mindfully walking, mindfully eating, mindfully drinking a tea. That's why they had that tea ceremony. Well, that's what Carrie talked about in our, in our last podcast. Episode, Absolutely. So Absolutely. Right? doing something you love and being mindful about the process of right. doing that thing you love. Yeah. And so the second big concept that is in this book, that is one of the biggest ones, and it is something that is extremely difficult to explain, which is why he did a fairly good job of it, especially when you don't realize that you're is not a chapter on emptiness or the no self. He brings it up a lot, but that concept of emptiness, it's uh, Mahayana call it emptiness, and the Theravada school is no self. This concept is heavy, hard to teach, and extremely full of wisdom and very important. The emptiness concept is that the reality that we think we see doesn't exist this way that we think it is, that everybody's intertwined together. There is no objects that live by themselves. There, you don't have a cup of tea. Your mind projects tea kettle or teacup and because your mind puts that in there, that's the mind connection is actually what the teacup is. So your projection, your thought process is what creates 
the feelings about the things that you have about the objects that you see every day. Your mind creates a relationship with it. And What's it's not quote, perception is reality. Is that right? Quote? That's a, yeah. And that's exactly speaking to, and, and that's the reason why he goes over and over this no self, this emptiness, this how to get into that space. So he's trying to get you into the space of just being not caught up in the past or the future. Emptiness really has that perspective along with impermanence because emptiness is impermanence. You know, it's all the emptiness is the base wisdom and explaining that is so, and I've done it in my classes. It is done with, I water it down quite a bit. Okay. Because explaining it in a, in a newbie class is, and there's always typically this one person that shows up. I, I will read an entire book and it'll be on compassion. And then we always hit on the very end is wisdom. So it's called wisdom and wisdom is the understanding of what is reality. What is, we are empty of inherent existence. There's always this one guy that shows up just for that. Every time it's like, Hey, I haven't taught that, you know, that wisdom emptiness class in a while. And this one guy just always shows up on that class just to look is I, I think it's just his karma. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up in the class. That's the most, the, the toughest, most difficult thing to explain and to understand. And he actually, I think did a good job of it, but it is really difficult. The idea that it's, if you think about it, that's where the matrix movies came from. And there's a lot of newer movies that are coming out with, you know, there's a, there's a, power above power that be that is actually this is all simulation and to a degree they're right because your mind creates your reality and it goes back to perception as reality that's a very simple way of putting it but a you're not your mind and then the second is is that the things that you think you see don't exist the way that you think they do you take it for granted that this is a cup well, actually, it's a bunch of molecules that are stuck together with a bunch of energy. I've seen that over and over again, that really behind it, even the quantum physics behind what a cup is will blow your mind onto what it really is. And that, that is a good point. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to oversimplify this profound book. You know, I do think, he does touch on quite a few things I think are really important. Mm -hmm. Again, um, I mean, he talks about, you know, how time is basically this, this uh, made up thing. It's not real. We just use it to make sense of, of how things are going. Right. It's <laughs> to give things ground to things get, and yeah. that's, the, that's the one thing that he, and it's groundless there is no ground. And that's the thing that he keeps pointing at is that impermanence means there's no ground. There is no way to keep yourself grounded. Things will change. Right. So Your basically mind people are everything. trying to control right. what cannot be controlled. Right. But you think you do. You have this false sense <laughs> that based on the past events that you were able to control pieces of that. If I own, because of the knowledge that I can gain from the past, I can control my future destiny. But they didn't throw in, you know, a car crash that's 
you know, or something else that happened to your family or to you that is unpredictable. Yeah. You know, I've been to things where I planned, I was so planned and then I got sick the day before. And then you're, you, then you have to change your plans. There's you just, Oh, well, that's what happens. You, yeah. And you can get really upset about it or you can embrace impermanence, which means that there is no. And so that's the third point is he brings up impermanence. That's, that's the third big one. So impermanence is that piece that there is no control. There is none. It's, it's all, it's all fake. It's all falsehood that we build in our mind to make our mind seem like we have some sort of stability, but we really don't. Well, he even makes it a point to say, you know, if you want to play the game of, uh, of life, right, or whatever, um, feel free. But if you are truly enlightened, you don't need to go get a job. You don't need to, you know, care about getting that TV or that car. Like, none of it matters anymore. Now, if you, if, if you choose to do those things and you are enlightened, notice it is simply for entertainment not out of necessity or need basically that's how i interpreted that right so that's like exact so that's his point and it's a buddhist concept again it's a very big buddhist concept um and i'm speaking from buddhism but it also could be hindu and Tao has also some of the same beliefs sure, sure. impermanence means that nothing lasts forever so but also there is this sense of that this world is always going to leave you in this this concept of suffering there is suffering there will always be suffering and your new television that you just bought is just a temporary cessation from suffering temporary so for a moment the brand new tv comes in and then you have this beautiful 80 inch plasma screen in your house and so one month into it, you're watching sports, you go out to go pick up your son from some other place and your four-year-old son decides he's going to play hula hoops with Thomas, the train engine track. And uh -oh. he throws one of the train tracks into the TV, uh -oh. breaks a $2,000 television. It's just a temporary, as soon as that happened, oh, I'm not happy with my 85 inch. Now it's just scrap. But that's the nature of this reality that this is the way things are this life is always going to have things that disappoint you new things will break the newest iphone won't be new next year and if you break it right. if you break the screen it's not a good iphone anymore so now you're unhappy it's full of temporary cessation from suffering that we take as permanency and if I could only get this newest thing and we're, and that's the thing about Western culture that I teach all the time, that we are in the pursuit of happiness and that happiness in our opinion is outside of ourselves. And he brings that fourth point up. It is elusive and we are never going to actually attain it because of that impermanence. And I admit I am, I am victim of this. I've, sought happiness through a lot of things i want a new bike i want a new computer i want that i want to you know if um you know thinking about like vacations i want to go on this vacation i want to go to that vacation i want to do this or do that right and it's a lot of dreams it's a lot of dreams things that would be really fun and really cool and yet are going to pass away 
And there's nothing wrong with things inherently. There's nothing wrong with them. They exist in our mind as a sense of happiness. And when we take it as something we grasp onto as this is going to make me happy, then that's where all of these negative delusional emotions come from when it doesn't go our way. It's the meaning you attach to it, essentially, mm-hmm. is what you're saying. So, Right. It goes back to my car, huh. my TV, my – when you realize – and then they break, and then you're attached to it. So I am upset. Not that the TV has problems, and I had to throw it out. You know, my son – the things happen with that with four-year-olds. Yeah. But – TV had a problem, not me. I didn't have a problem. It was just the television. And I got a new television next right. th- the week after anyway. So it wasn't an 85 inch plasma. And we settled for something different that was a little bit more rugged after just that experience. Case, just in case that happens again, right? <laughs> yeah, we had to learn, right? Yeah, we, we had a four year old. to learn from it. That's all it is there for. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's exactly his point is, is that you, and I can tell you that I was caught up at the time. Sure. You know, my, my son's cadence still talks about that moment where he thought that dad was going to kill him. But <laughs> it was a lesson for me, too, that just like things, you know, my new camera today isn't going to be is going to be tomorrow's old tomorrow's old camera. Right. Because there's so, going to be a new a new version of it comes out. And oh, only if I could do get that one, that's the one I need. That's the one. And then you find out that it's hmm. the next. No, it's next year's model that you really need. <laughs> I, it'll, it'll always be that case, right? And that is consumerism. He talks about this, mm-hmm. right? He does. That's why I'm bringing uh, it up. I, yep. um, it was actually really funny. He mentioned something about how, like, if everyone was enlightened, consumerism and businesses and everything, like, they would cease to exist because no one would need to buy anything, basically. And I was just thinking, like, uh, so I'm definitely attached or identify with my company, High Mount Sage, right? Because I'm like, well, wait, I don't want people to be in line then because then they won't buy my stuff. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it's kind of backwards. Like I shouldn't want people to want to buy my stuff for the fact that I want them to be enlightened. I want people to progress and not need things to make them happy. Because, and the thing that people will, people will think that, oh, that will make me happy. And we, we are very, very quick to, um, find salvation through things rather than just being. And so I was like, I wrote this down in here. I was like, do I continue high mountain sage question mark? <laughs> and I am going to say, and actually I'm, I'm holding one of your bottles right now. So for all podcasts, um, yes. And yes, you should, because these <laughs> products are so good. I, I absolutely love them. They're some of my favorite <laughs> products just to well, go to beer product companies. But <laughs> let me tell you, this is the thing that I do. So I understand that it's a temporary set of suffering. We also, because you understand that concept, that means that you won't attach that level of meaning to it. You can just enjoy and rejoice in this experience, which is where that's where how he gets you. That's how you get to the moment of now and mindfulness. Because when you can detach yourself from the things that they are and say that this is impermanent, it is going to only give me temporary. But while it's good, while I can smell this wonderful bottle of treatment, 
and say, what a wonderful smell. It has great essential oils and it's great for my beard. I can rejoice in that and enjoy in that moment. So that's how we got you. That's how we get you. That's the power of now right there. You don't have to be attached to these things. Understand that these things are temporary. If I drop this bottle right now, it's going to break. Uh, yeah. That's what beard oil, that's what happens to beard oil. That's what happens to things in bathrooms. Well, and, and I think, I think, you know, the, um, the, the term, this too shall pass comes to mm -hmm. mind. Yep. We use that term when we are struggling, right? Like I have lots of clients that, uh, you know, that I, I work with and, and I actually will say that to them, right? Like in their, when they're suffering or, or in pain and it's, you know, <laughs> Well, it depends on like, sometimes that can be a really invalidating thing to say. So it really depends on the person's background and what we've been talking about and where they're at in the moment. But this too shall pass is something that is kind of a reminder, right? That like you've been through difficult things before you've somehow survived that you can survive this. This is only a moment in time and it will go away, right? And we specifically use that for suffering. Well, you get the brand new TV and you sit down and you enjoy it and you revel in it and you say, this too shall pass. De-identify from the thing. It is not going to last forever. Allow, and this is, I think, okay. So this is something that I think is really valuable from the book. He talks about that first death and the second death. Right. And so basically right. you've, you've allowed the TV to die already. It has died in your mind. You have said, this is impermanent. And I am okay right. with that. When it goes, it goes. If it goes in two minutes, because the little guy comes in and throws a train at it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe not what you really want, but allow it to have a first death. Right. And then, the second death isn't scary. You've already experienced it. It's an amazing concept, what you just brought up, and just flip it to humans. One of the big meditations um, in the very, it's a base set of meditations. Uh, one of them is on the precious human life where we realize uh, how precious this human life is. We rejoice for the uh, being alive, fortune for the friends around us. And then we also have understanding of death and impermanence, that everything shall pass. We are fortunate to be in this minute to minute moment. You know, we are fortunate to be here and rejoice in those things that we have the ability to rejoice in. Rejoice in the fact that we're alive. You're able to hear this podcast. This is a spiritual journey. Rejoice in the fact that you're listening to something like that, that your mind has chosen to listen to something like that and want to get some value. That's, that's something to rejoice in. Uh, I rejoice in the fact that I have a good brotherhood with Brian every time. I mean, we just really Back enjoy this. You. Right. 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 But I think that you can rejoice in those moments because the realization is that we all will die. This is fundamental in every religion. Buddhism teaches as part of that's part of suffering is that we will grow old. We will have, have sickness in our life and we will die. And us dying 
is and it really is how you die and how you live. If you live with the concept that this could be my last moment, I might as well, it's the carpe diem theme, you know, seize the day, seize the moment right, because there right. is not another moment beyond this. This is the moment you can control. This is the moment that you can rejoice in that you are on this side of the daisies and not somewhere else. Um, you have made choices to listen today to a podcast and we've chosen to make a podcast on helping other people. We can rejoice in the fact that we have people that will listen to this. And we rejoice in the fact that you're here listening to this. So I think those concepts of putting it into a everyday rejoicing opportunity and realizing how precious this human life really is. And to know that we will die. Things will be, everything is so impermanent. So just live for now because that's all there is. You hear a lot uh, in in the Christian um, realm, especially, I think, right? Um, there's this whole idea that living right now is more like hedonism, right? You drink and be merry. Let's uh, let's party. Let's go wild. Let's go crazy, right? Because we're gonna die anyway. So why not just enjoy it, right? Well, we're not talking about that. That that again is seeking pleasure, which passes. It is mm -hmm. not sustainable, and it is it is temporary. It is superficial. Nothing wrong with going and having fun, you know, going and and spending good times with people. However, it it is it is. Um, foolish to think that that is what brings joy long-term. Right. And, and if you have a spiritual religious experience, Christianity, any of the major religions talks about what happens after. If you have the ability to decide to live a virtuous life, which is what these religions, what these philosophies teach, because there is not another moment to waste to live a life like that where living a, and that's what we also focus on is that this is a precious human life. Don't waste it on negative aspects. Don't spend time in those negative spaces because karma, you're sowing of seeds of things that are going to happen in your life and in life's after, if you believe at life after this, but you're sowing seeds now that will ripen and if you sow positive seeds, positive things are going to happen. If you sow negative, then negative things will happen. So don't rejoice in TVs and money and things like that because it's only temporary. It doesn't bring real happiness. But what does bring more happiness in your life is peace, having benefit to other people. That's what brings meaning. And that's the idea of bodhicitta, which is Buddha nature, that everybody has this seed in them. And we want to cultivate that in others so that they can be happy as well. I want everyone to be happy. And when you have that concept in your head, then it becomes less about you and you obtaining things. And it's more about what is now and my ability to help other people and having a virtuous life that will be a benefit. A lot of people think that rules such as the Ten Commandments, um, Buddhism has the five precepts, 
which is almost the same as the 10 commandments. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's similarities more, across, across religions. Yeah, it's wisdom. Really it's just wisdom. It. But here's the thing that was t- I remember a Christian speaker, actually he was LDS Mormon. Mm-hmm. He said, these rules were set down, not by people that thought that they should be set down to be confining, but it gives you a better rule set to live your life because then your life is easier. So if you live by virtuosity, it just makes life easier for you. And I will tell you that if I go astray in life, those are the times when I regret and I have the hardest times because I just didn't follow the rules. I oh, I won't follow the rules this time. I'm going to do this. And then, oh, yeah, that's why they say, no, do that because this happens. This negative action happens. You make somebody mad. You get somebody hurt, hurt their feelings because you – you know, weren't being very mindful of your speech. Well, you, Maybe think, you were gossiping. <laughs> well, you think about um, laws and rules we abide by in everyday life in society. Speeding um, is against the law for a reason. You don't always get in trouble, but when you do, right? Like, I'm not saying you don't always get in trouble like by being, by being pulled over. I'm saying like, you're speeding and you hit someone and something bad really happens as a result. Right. right. That is the result. Like that is why there's a law to not speed. It's for safety. Right. right. Trying to keep people safe with rules so that the karmic expression of things, which is the law of consequences, doesn't bite you. If I speed and I hit somebody, I hit somebody. That's something that's on me. I have to deal with that guilt for the rest of my life because I wasn't conscious you know, we, and a good example is, and I don't know the circumstances behind this, but Tiger Woods is an example. He got into a car crash oh, yeah, and that. almost killed himself. Now, I don't know all of the story, but I'm sure that something went wrong. Maybe he was speeding. Who knows? But those type of things, because there are rules, not drinking and driving, not speeding, those rules were set so that they can keep you safe and the drivers on the road safe. And those are the things that we also need to abide by. There isn't any rules on helping other people, but it does feel good and it makes, it brings benefit to somebody else. And when you start focusing on somebody else more than yourself, then you find yourself more happy because it's the real things. That's where the inner peace comes from because you're realizing that by benefiting somebody else, my life has benefited too by sowing seeds of virtuosity. That's actually where the benefit comes is that you're sowing these seeds in a farmer's field and the things that bloom are this other positive stuff that happens in your life. Well, and that's the idea that I think Eckhart is um, trying to express in this book, right? Is that right. we're all, exactly. we really are all connected and we're all mm-hmm. um, on the same journey here to be enlightened, right? And that we're all, again, we're there we're connected we just don't see it because of all the noise and so how do you how do you get past that how do you realize um your your true potential your full potential and become enlightened well it's a day um it's a daily decision to just connect more and more with what's happening in the present moment around you right that's the now and that is that is the book the power of now I, I oversimplified in the beginning 
Probably, you know, (laughs) Andy's throwing Andy's throwing you into the what did Andy research? (laughs) Well, and why is this all the Buddhist practices that he teaches, which was amazing to me the way that he was teaching it. You know what? But you're right. Eckhart did a good job at expressing these things. I mean, there's a reason why it's um, it's sold millions of copies. I mean, I I enjoy the book. I think explaining the book is much more difficult than understanding it. Like the way he explains it, um, I again, I sometimes felt stuck. That's that's that word again. However, um, you get to the end of the book and you do feel less stuck. If you really pay attention to it, you put into practice some of the things that he's talking about. You know, share this from my own personal experience with some of the stuff, right? There are moments of enlightenment, right? Where you're kind of breaking through and think, oh, that makes sense. And okay, I'll, I'll try that. And you do. And you come back realizing that more and more the, the past doesn't exist. It isn't real. The future isn't real. It's all just these things in our head. And um, we can de-identify from them and just be. Right. The biggest thing here is that this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And the thing that he kind of, he gives you this concept. Now, what I would suggest for anybody who wants to continue down a path, because it's easier said than done. He doesn't really give you like, hey, here's, he gives you some of the stuff of how to get here. I think through a very solid meditation path, I know that in my tradition, we call it lamb rim, where we get from precious human life to wisdom and compassion through 21 different meditations that we do through like a cycle. Um, Today, I'll meditate on precious human life. And then I have 21 different ones that lead me to wisdom of emptiness. And then I repeat. And what you're doing is, is that you're familiarizing yourself with these concepts every day. And then when you move to the next aspect, it helps your mind be able to not just be stuck, but you're also progressively following the yellow brick road. And in order for you to find Oz and then find that you there's no place like home, you have to go through, you have to meet the scarecrow, you have to meet the tin man, you have to meet the lion. You have to meet that they're be- the man behind the curtain who everybody thought was the great Oz was actually empty of inherent existence. He was just a cloud of smoke in the end. Right. right. And then he just ha- happens to be actually a, a man that was in his dream <laughs> and her dream. Cause she was in actually Kansas the entire time. Right. But that's the, re- or was take- she, or was she, that's a good question. <laughs> no. It's always debatable, but that's the <laughs> one right. thing. That's the one thing, but she had to go through that experience to get to the end, to be able to, have that journey and path and the journey was just as important so my suggestion the journey was the important part the journey was you the didn't oh, get right. to the end without the journey right like that and I, that is the point right the journey is the only thing that matters where you are at right this moment whether you are comfortable or not it is all you have so embrace it be in it and if it's not something that you want want right get in tune with some of the stuff that Eckhart's talking about right 
maybe you make some some differences or changes or maybe not right the point of enlightenment is that you really don't need anything you're already you're already perfect you've already arrived you're already enlightened you just need to figure out how that's the case well you have to ripen the seed of buddha nature in you the the enlightenment in you everybody has it everybody has that treasure in them it's being able to open it and know what to do with it and this is one book that lines up with how to do that and at least gives you the concepts and some of the how-to's i definitely uh he has some other books uh, that you can follow I think that following our book club will also help bring that level of knowledge, which is what we're, our goal is to discuss these books because of the fact that they have some extreme wisdom for living an everyday life that we can take away from and help other people understand. Now this was straight boot. Some of it was straight Buddhist philosophy, Eastern philosophy, so that definitely had very had those aspects in it. So I really am familiar with those. Totally down your alley for sure. But the next book, which is what we're talking about, and we can wrap up the wrap up this. But our next book is Essentialism mm-hmm. by Greg McEwen, McCowan, McCohen. Right. I don't know how to say it. These names, man. I was told. <laughs> by, by the way, I was told by a friend of mine that Eckhart Tolle is how you say it. Not Tolle oh, or Tolle. Interesting. Yeah. It's, Why is it's, he right and I'm wrong? That's what I want to know. She probably <laughs> he probably said his name somewhere, and you're like, oh. A oh, simple okay. YouTube search of of the guy, where he is announced to a group of people. I'm sure the announcer will say the name correctly. <laughs> you know, I, I would hope, anyways, that they would ask. Eckhart how to pronounce his own name before they announce it. <laughs> um, I haven't done that, but uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, he is the same. What's in a name, right? <laughs> so, he is a he is a spiritualist. He does have other books. So if you are interested in this, he has a accompanying books. He has like, I think he has a workbook for the power of now, which kind of gets you into doing some of the methods that he's teaching in the book. However, the next book, Essentialism, is going to be something that Brian can explain because this is a book that he's familiar with and I am not at all, actually. Yeah, so the um, I've read it before. It, it's, uh, again, Essentialism. And then the, the subheading is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And, uh, I mean, the name really says it all, Essentialism. You are... Like minimalism is uh, about having less things, physical things in your life. Essentialism is having less non-physical things in your life. You are more picky choosy about what you say yes to. And basically you're going to say no to a lot more things um, that you could be doing with your time and with your energy. Right. And this, which brings us up to, a discussion that me and, and this is definitely with the essentialism idea in mind that we, for the next bit here, due to our schedule, are just going to do podcast every other week. I know that will be disappointing for some because people love our podcast. I've, I've 
had people just absolutely rave about how good our podcast they love it Thank but you. we just have to yeah i totally appreciate <laughs> that but we do have to take into consideration our personal lives as well as our professional outside of podcasting life we need to and, practice what we preach right so i am super busy with doing a lot of stuff personally as well as you know, honestly, it was stuff that I kind of let get away. I have a, my bad coping mechanism is to spread myself out too thin when I'm in difficult situations and I don't deal with said thing and it just sits there. So the book is going to be helpful to both of us, I think. I think that you're taking a certification class, right? I'm, I'm doing um, 10 credits spread out amongst like seven classes i think so they're like you know only one credit classes for the most part but i am i am learning a lot more about entrepreneurship because it's not something that i'm trained in i've been running a business now for four years yeah so four years and without any kind of training on how to manage a business or marketing or anything like that and so i am a little bit busy with that considering that I also have a little one-year-old at home and I'm in private practice and running the business, you know, the high mountain sage aside from going to classes. And so I feel like there's a lot going on in the podcast. I love the podcast and as a priority, I would like it to be number one. However, there are other things that require more attention at the moment, and therefore I'm cutting where I can. And the, the podcast will pick up after I'm done with those classes. We'll do Nothing it wrong with that. Again. Yeah, no worries. And that's the thing is, is that impermanence is everywhere. Um, this is a mm -hmm. lesson on impermanence, and also it's a, it's a lesson on priorities. And podcasting is totally fun. We will, we will definitely continue. And I think that if we keep it every other week, we can still keep the same value. You're still going to get value. However, we're making it to where we also want to teach priorities that we can't, sometimes you can't just go in and record, you know, because to prep up for a podcast, you have to do the readings. You have to take some notes. You have to do some, you know, thinking about what you just learned to be able to express that to somebody else. And we want to be able to give you the best value as well. And when we think that maybe we could have done something better and some of it was down to maybe we just didn't have the time, you know, especially when I realized that um, with our crazy hectic lives, sometimes you just need to be able to say, Hey, what can I do better? and bring value versus quantity, I, you know, quality versus quantity. We could do a releasings of podcasts every week or every five days, every three days, but you're not going to get the value out of a discussion like we have when we're actually researching it putting our and time bringing and putting our time in. into it. Right. And so essentialism and this, this book um, will go more into depth about these concepts that we are talking, right? The very reason why we are making adjustments is because we are trying to focus on more of the essentials. So you can find essentialism online uh, if you want to 
uh, support local bookshops in your area and also support this podcast a little bit, go to bookshop.org and find your copy of Essentialism on there. A little bit of the proceeds when you buy your copy on that website will go towards local bookshops in your area. So love it. Very love good it. cause. Yeah, love that. I, I'm, I'm that's such a really interesting discussion. So let's jump into a quick discussion about beard products really quick. Sure. Um, and it goes in law with that local idea, buy local. Now, I know that that's something that you're doing. I know specifically with your soaps because you're able to get that. His, his, he has a beard soap that is it's a beard soap. So it has yeah, beer. beer yes. <laughs> the beverage. And, and it doesn't smell like beer. So just to get anybody. But the thing that it does is it soaps, it suds up and like almost sizzles like a little bit, like it just fizzles, not sizzle, <laughs> fizzle on your beard. And I love that sensation because you can just feel it getting clean. It actually, with the contents that you have also it leaves it very moisturized at the same time. So it's taking the oils, but it's also moisturizing at the same time. So it's a really good beard soap. <laughs> yes. Um, but I absolutely, like I, yeah, yeah, for sure. The first time I tried it, I was like, whoa, this is so different because of its, it has that, that fizzly kind of thing that just makes you feel clean. I love it, but locally sourced. So we go back to how far do you go into the, and this is a beard question that I have people in the business. Mm-hmm buy products from different vendors. And I think that the people who do the first set of, you know, there's people that get into the thing just to make money. They're buying their products from Amazon, from who knows, they don't even know, just the cheapest maybe carrier oil on Amazon, maybe some scents from Amazon. And then there's folks like yourself that are finding companies that are going to be reliable, best quality, I'm not saying anything bad about companies that do the other. I don't, you know, I just think that it's not going well, to get you the premium quality that you would like, I think, or you don't know what's really put into it. That's a better way of putting it. Well, think of it like farm to table food. There's some value to uh, having eggs or spinach or you know, whatever it is that you're eating be processed in the farm next door. It's more fresh, you know, it, uh, because of that, it's going to taste better. It's, it's supporting the local economy because it's right there. You know, like, like there's a lot of benefits for the farm to table process. Now, if you look at that with your products that you're buying in general, right? Whatever it is, um, in this case, it would be beard care or grooming supplies. I think that same concept matters because you, you're stimulating the economy and, and helping in more ways than one. So what we're doing with High Mountain Sage, uh, for the, we try to source things locally. It's tough when you're talking about oils because Utah is a desert. Utah doesn't grow all the things that you would need in beard products. We do locally source our beeswax. The company that we go through for a lot of our oils 
is in the same city, they might not get all their oils from Utah, but they are a company based here. I still think that and I'm holding one of his uh, bombs. It's like a butter. Um, it's so nourishing. And I think that there's something to be said about getting it from locally because it's so fresh and I have, I've had this treatment. I mean, we must, I'm, you must've sent this six months ago. I would say six months ago that you sent this. I think more than that. Maybe was, um... more than that. It's still, I, I can still, it doesn't like I've had other products that go bad on me. That's the, so that is the give and take. That's the, if you, you have to do really your research to know how to put preservatives in as well. So buying locally sourced, but also knowing how to preserve what you do get locally sourced is very important. Uh, you do a great job of that. There's some other companies that do not, that you'll have and go, I've had products go rancid on me uh, within three months of owning it. Now I have some stuff on my beard shelf. I mean, yours is at least, I think we started talking about a year ago. Yeah. And so I still have your products on shelf and it smells to me, it doesn't have that. You can tell when they go rancid. It's yeah, not, you, it's not a good product. They're oil-based, you know, the oil does go bad. It does go bad eventually. What I've turned into as a consumer, a mass consumer, not just a date, like a this is for skin health and things like that. I'm buying it because I'm a reviewer, influencer. I'm buying a lot of the products and I have way too much of it. And they will all go bad. Now it turns into like playing cards, <laughs> like trading cards when you were You're a kid. You're a collector. It's I'm, cool. It's collecting beard bottles that are cool with cool things. And I have a, I have lots of different ones. I got one. I've had um, the other day. I got one from a British company where he just he just the label is just him handwriting it. It's come from a company called Seven. And he just kind of says, I, it's not really a business for him. He's just, he knows how to make some and he wants to throw some new scents out and unique and amazing is all I can say. He can't sell them in EU because they don't meet the EU standards. So when you buy it, you just are, he's not a business. So you're just buying it because he knows how to make it and you're exchanging money at, just to keep his, because he has some cost on his side to give you some products. Sure. Then there's real companies like High Mountain Sage that are still doing the research. So your products go into a different class because you have put yourself into that research place where you're looking for the best benefit as well as great sense. You are originally essential oil, which I'm into essential oils is the other outside of the carrier oils, which is what helps give you some of the carrier oils help you with skincare. Mm -hmm. The essential oils, you add essential oils like uh, tea tree, mint, you know, they have all of these features, um, antimicrobial, antibacterial, so many little features for skin health as well. And then you've also crossed the line into some of the fragrance oil markets because not everybody can deal with essential oils and fragrances last longer. And there is a market for, a, like the fragrance oils for the scent of them. Right. Well, and you think about most colognes or perfumes out there on the market, those are basically what we're talking about here, right? They are fragrances that maybe have some natural stuff in there, 
a lot of the time though it's synthetic and there's pros and cons to going synthetic sometimes using a synthetic it is safer for your skin mm -hmm. um you know i mean there has to be a lot of research on that and and uh again the amount that you put in your product matters that is something that i i, I think lots of people don't realize if you've got something that smells really strong, it's probably because they put too much in there and it's no longer safe for you. But, uh, you know, these fragrances, a lot of times they take natural things and they go in there and with the use of science, they change like one little molecule and they change it so that it's a little bit different, but still natural to a degree. And so that's like a, what a blend, a hybrid synthetic natural fragrance um, oil. Right. And, you know, we're trying to trying to stay as natural as possible with our products. Sometimes, depending on the scent that you're going for, it's just impossible if you if you want it to be cost effective and skin safe. That's the biggest thing. And you have to do a lot of research. I'm really fairly good friends with another company, actually quite a few companies. I'm a reviewer. So I know that there's this balance Um there's a balance also into finding new carriers t for the benefit of your skin, but also to be competitive. So I thought about this and I didn't know where you stood on this. So I th hemp is an amazing oil, absolutely an amazing oil. What do you think about that conversion from hemp to CBD? So, I... Hmm. I'm mixed on this. So one time I had thought about going the CBD route. It was like the it thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think, and this is where I pause. Whenever there's something that's like a buzzword that comes out, right? CBD, as an example. Right. I, I feel like it it hits the market. It's praises. It's a great new thing. It's it's the cure all, fix all, and you can say like, oh, it fixes that problem, this problem, and you don't longer need to take this medication because the CBD will do that for you, right? The THC. And I, I am hesitant to, to buy into that. I haven't done a whole lot of research on, on CBD in general. I do think that there are some benefits to it, of course. Is it as all powerful and as good as people say it is? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. So I, I think that hemp seed oil is going to be beneficial and good for you for your skin and your beard cbd you're crossing into stuff that i don't necessarily think it's going to be you're not going to need cbd i think for your beard or for your skin like cbd is maybe more beneficial in other areas and it's just as this buzzword that if you put it on there people be like oh it has cbd it's gonna be great well the amount that you're putting in there probably not CBD is expensive in and of itself. If you're putting in that beard oil, your prices are going to go up if there's a if there's any amount in there that's actually going to make a difference, I think. Right. I think that uh, it's it's an interesting discussion which goes back to even the book that we're discussing which is is it, it's just buzzy marketing. You know, and that's where we can get caught up into consumerism 
and it is very easy to get caught up. I, I got caught up into it originally and very much to the point to where everything was about buying the next new product. Oh, so-and-so released this. I need to go get it. I still have a sense of buying products because I am reviewing them, but now I'm being a lot more picky with what I want to review. Um, I did get, because of the CBD question, I bought a few CBD oils to see if I can compare them to hemp and different experiences I've had with hemp. I, I love hemp, to be honest with you. I, I think there's so many benefits. So companies that have that in there, I'm just uh, love them. You are welcome. Yes, exactly where <laughs> I was going with it. Um, and I think that having it, it is a really good product. So, and it was in the same category as CBD for a while too, that it was illegal and you couldn't do much with it and you couldn't sell it. Now it's everywhere because it's, you know, it doesn't have, it has very little THC, if any. <laughs> and I think that there's like, what makes it hemp is like the, if I remember right, there's some other ways that they categorize it. It's kind of mysterious categorizing. Like there is the ones without any THC, then there is some plants that have a little bit of THC, but it's so negligible and where they process it doesn't have that. However, the benefits of hemp oil and hemp seed is absolutely amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I have had, I actually went to a CBD shop and bought a beard conditioner wash. It's like a wall in one amazingly good i was and it smells like i think it smells like tea tree i think it's a tea tree essential oil type of smell which i absolutely love again i'm an essential oil people some people just aren't into the essential oil smells but i am yeah that's good yeah most people some people aren't i love them but um i compare that to the other ones i have and it, it, there's no comparison the the hemp is definitely really really good um i've had some other ones that are good but I would say that was like my everyday. And I hate when I get close to almost done because I go buy more of it. <laughs> well, you know, what I like about the hemp and why I chose it as a carrier oil in, in a beard oil, part of it is it is so quick to absorb okay. and it is, a, it is considered a dry oil, meaning that it's a little bit, you know, it's not as greasy. And that's partly because it probably absorbs a little mm -hmm. bit quicker, right? So it's not as much oil left. It's not as waxy. Yeah. Yeah. That is one of the reasons why I like it. It's a lighter, quick absorption. And the quick absorption means that it's in the skin, right? right. Like it, it, you're not wasting any by it, like rubbing off on something or mm -hmm. leaving you know, your, I guess, your beard greasy. Right. Seeks in so you get all that nutrients, all the benefit of it. It is such a, I mean, there's other reasons for, for having it in there other than just that, but that is my main reason for choosing it. I think Phil and Beard definitely um, is one of my key reasons it is. And it's also natural. So I know that it's good for you. I know people that do locally grown hemp and that stuff is usually the better stuff. There's lots of carrier hemp carriers out there, hemp seed carriers out there. Ones that I've known, um, that have gone local, they seem to have the better products. And it, it's hard to get some of this. There's a huge hemp seed market out of Kentucky. There's a huge hemp seed market out of Canada. 
I don't know where you're getting yours. You're, I know you're probably not getting it locally sourced because of Utah. No, we can't get but it. But you're really. getting it from a company or that's probably from a like a state, two or three states away or maybe 10 states mm-hmm. away. But the Kentucky... Locally in the United States. Right. Because it's just better. Um, it's more... I still think it's not going to go bad. It's not going to be like, okay, I got it today. I'm going to, you know, I bought it today. It'll come to me tomorrow, maybe processed in a week. It's not sitting on a shelf somewhere, but I do know that that has become a huge cash market, which is very interesting that now hemp is now got off the ban list and now is becoming a cash cow for a lot of farmers that were, you know, kind of in a very tough place. The hemp market has completely increased and also CBD. So people being able to grow marijuana because like now a lot of states are also legalizing marijuana. So they're also growing as a cash product. I know California, for instance, and Washington, I think has been really producing in Colorado. Those places have really done well. And it's also really good for the tax base. So it's increasing the amount of money's going to schools and things like that. So I will tell you this. I tried a CBD tincture last night for the first time because I've been really struggling with sleep and I did not feel like it gave me the benefit that I thought I was, what I was expecting. I was expecting to be able to sleep like melatonin or something. And I don't really feel like it did much. And that could be because you need to use it more and have it build up in the system or something like that. I will tell you though, again, when there's hype about something and it's, you know, it takes over and people are talking about it nonstop and it's like, oh, it does this and does that. And it's like multi-use everything. Ooh, I'm weary. Yeah. I'm weary of that. I just, I, I can recognize that there's some benefits to it, but man. I think it'll blow over to the next best thing after this. So after they, re- after people realize, oh yeah, it's okay. I just always wonder what the next, and when I talk what to the different next fat is what the next best thing is. So then again, then it becomes like, okay, CBD is kind of old. We saw the benefits. There's enough research now. It does, it does do this well. It doesn't do this well. And now that we know that we can move on to the acai berry seed oil. <laughs> Right. Well, or uh, well, akukai or that, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, acai. Acai. That's the one. That's it. Yeah. Acai. Yeah. Yeah. It is pronounced acai. I yeah, know because it's because yeah, Japanese. Portuguese. Portuguese. Oh, Portuguese. Portuguese. Well, Brazilian. Yeah. Okay. You know, Brazilian Portuguese. So at least that's where a lot of acai comes from. Is from uh, right. Like I think it's like the Amazon or something like that. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we going with that, Andy? <laughs> well, I think that where we're going local, with it is it's the source. newest, it's the newest, it's the newest fad. Better it is. That, that was what, so and I've seen that happen with, what were they calling pr- prickly pear? Do you guys have prickly pear up in Utah? The prickly was pear. Dragon fruit? Uh, no, it was called something it? else. It's, but prickly pear was called something else for a while and they were selling the heck out of it. And it was the next best thing that didn't really take off as much, but it was just prickly pear juice or something. And I think that the acai 
it has taken off a lot more. But I think that that's still that same hype that when it first came out, oh my goodness, everything had it. They had it in every drink known to man. There's still quite mm-hmm. a bit of it. Oh, it has it's all that stuff. purification. It is. It's and it's good for purifying. I get it. I get it. Uh, again, though, <laughs> it's hype. You know, it's it is marketing. Hype. It is it a is lot of marketing, marketing and, and whatnot. And and so I think it, as consumers, you just need to be a little bit wary and and uh, question everything. Yeah. Don't take so, things at face value. Even yeah. what we tell you, don't take what I just told you about not taking things at face value. Question that, right? Well, that's what. Like, that's fine. This is the one thing about it is, is that that's why we discuss these books is because if it was the book according to if everything Eckhart Tolle said was amazing and then everybody would just buy the book and say this is the way to live your life and let's all do this, we'll be happy now. People have to be able to go, hey, maybe this doesn't work for me or this works for me and it doesn't work for you because I think differently. I was raised differently. And that's okay too. So yeah, everybody's gonna it's not gonna be everybody's cup of tea. I know that in my journey, not everybody's gonna be Buddhist. And everybody may not want to hear about Andy's Buddhism all the time. But however, I like to throw it in there as something that's guided my life. It's just a point, think point of has, view. I think I think um, anything out there that is trying to make a person's life better is worthwhile. Don't judge me too harshly, though. I'm, <laughs> I, I am here to try and, and live the best life I can, the best way I know how. Well, that's what we're like and we're sharing it. And so the next book, Essentialism, is going to be that. We'll see you guys in two weeks. But mm-hmm. however, I do want to know one thing. Ah, goals. Smart goals, yes. Well, how are um, your smart goals going? My smart goals are going okay. You know, it's eating veggies and eating fruits. That's the goal. More of them. This week, I feel like it was a little bit of a plateau. I don't feel like I, I went downhill in any way, but I don't think I improved in any way either. So it's just kind of a maintenance stage. and um, Which is where you week, kind of wanted to be, right? Yeah, I mean... It's like it's like you you start to try to be healthier, and then you could totally fall off the bandwagon, like I did a few weeks ago, or you could implement some changes. And I'm now doing better than where I was when I started. I'm not exactly where I'd like to be overall. So I think eating more veggies, and I recently got some V8 juice, the low V8. sodium kind. Yep, yep to try and boost that. And I know there's a lot of debates out there about, well, it's a juice. It's not really a veggie. Uh, listen, listen to, uh, I mean, there's like reviews, scientific reviews out there about, about VA. And I actually think it's, it's a pretty decent use of, of veggies. I like V8. <laughs> uh, you know what I buy as I buy the V8, the spicy V8. Oh, yeah. Because I like the spices in it. Now, for those people who like Bloody Marys, it's the perfect drink to mix with your Bloody Mary. But I just like it by itself. I used to not like it when I was a kid, but now I enjoy the heck out of it, especially if it's chilled. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I just absolutely love it. I did not like the one that was off with fruits in it. The splash no. or whatever. Did oh, not like and, that. and that one is much more unhealthy because then they're throwing in different concentrated and added sugars and stuff. Whereas the regular V8, other than like lots of sodium in the original V8, 
it's actually pretty pretty decent. Like there's veggie concentrate, but vegetables don't have nearly as much sugar as fruits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're you're, you're doing right. you're doing better in that regard. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think there's more nutrients in it, not just simple sugars or fructose, even fructose. Right. right. Um. So. I, I've told people this. I, I've taken a step back in priorities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get quality in my life overall. And part of it is, is seeing where this podcasting and YouTubing adventure left me. I make, I'm now making videos that are fun with, with Kate. And I did a, an unboxing yesterday, finally, for the first time in like three months. And it was fun to just do something with Caden. And that's what I enjoyed. And that's the reason why I started doing these, because it was fun for me and Caden to do. Um, I would probably drop that in the next two or three days. I just have a number on my plate, of a number of things on my plate that I just need to do. And not that social media isn't important. I'm not making a ton of money doing it. And there are some priorities what I realized that I needed to really focus on my family. And so what I noticed that if I do the reverse, I transform the situation. So Christy wasn't very happy about me doing all these podcasts and all of this stuff, but it's when I, consuming. it is time consuming and it took away. So if I showed that she is a priority and that Caden is a priority and getting things done is a priority, then she doesn't have the same thought process of oh hey this is in in lieu of you spending time with me you're doing this (laughs) right so i want her to feel like she is not just so included but also that she's seen as a priority i think that to me that's what people need in their life is to feel like they're important and maybe that's where i was going wrong for a while is is that i was running away you know I don't want to talk too much about it, but you know, marriage is not easy. And so coping skills are very important in them. So what I heard you say is Christy got really mad at you. She was disappointed (laughs) in the fact that I was, yeah, she was very disappointed in the fact that I was spending way too much time away from just being able to be there, you know, be there now and be present. And when I'm on, it is time consuming because it's not just doing a podcast. It's about social media, looking up stuff, reading a book, but then also the social media stuff for being part of the beard community. You have to keep up with all of the stuff that's going on and it can get time consuming. So I'll be at night scrolling through videos, seeing what other people are doing, keeping up with my friends. Oh, I got to go watch this guy's video. I got to watch that video. I got to watch that video and this person's live stream and that person's live stream. It becomes extremely tedious if you allow it to, and it spreads your, it spreads your life really thin. So just cutting back and essentially, you know, making some decisions on what's more important. And me reading it, the Instagram post of the day is probably not as important as cleaning the kitchen or doing the laundry and, you know, being present in the places that I need to be present. Yes. No words. What you, what you said, I second, I second. And and with that, 
Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of Gurus, Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement. We hope you've enjoyed it. Again, um, we are finished with The Power of Now. We hope that you enjoyed reading that book. I did. I kind of I kind of say things that maybe make it sound like I didn't. However, overall, it was a good book. Maybe like an 8 out of 10 for me, right? Or a 7 out of 10. I don't know. Anyways, it's we're not good. we're not it's we're not fair. judging or ranking them really. But essentialism, I totally just did right. <laughs> Oops. Essentialism, essentialism is the next book. I love this book. I am looking forward to reading it. It has been a while since I've read it, and it's um, I I think it's full of gems, and so go find that again bookshop.org and uh beard on and stay bearded <laughs>